welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is brian bark from praxis capital welcome brian thanks for having me on rama Yeah, a little bit about Brian. Brian is president and CEO of Fraxis Capital, a vertically integrated real estate private equity investment company which he founded in 2001. Over the course of his real estate investment career that began in 1989, the offering Brian manages have acquired over 750 properties including over 3000 multifamily units with the assistance of proprietary software that he wrote himself. Fraxis current portfolio exceeds 200 million of real estate assets under management Brian is the author of The Hands of Investor an insider's guide to investing in passive real estate syndications and frequent public speaker at real estate conferences and events nationwide with that Brian would you like to add anything to your background Well you pretty much covered it there you know it's been a, a great 30 year career in real estate and I'm still going so I'll probably be doing this another 30 years <laughs> Awesome awesome <laughs> So how did you get into real estate Brian Uh, I think by accident and probably because I wasn't good at doing anything else. You know, I started in real estate when I was 20 years old and you know, I didn't uh, know anything about real estate. I didn't have any money and I didn't uh, have any connections and I figured, you know, hey, what the heck, might as well give it a shot. So, started uh, looking around for properties to buy. I bought my first one in 1989. It was a little rental house. I didn't even own my own house yet and then um, uh, that went horribly wrong and so by then I was hooked. and I figured well if I can screw up this one I I should keep going so uh kept buying more and uh really from that point started in the flipping business where I was buying fixing up and reselling houses and uh that actually started to work for me and after a few years of uh trial and error and experimentation I finally got the system down and uh, I've been doing it ever since uh, a lot more successfully than the early years that's for sure yeah cool and would you share more about your book the hands of investor Yeah, the hands-off investor I I wrote that a year and a half ago and it finally it came out uh last year uh published by Bigger Pockets Publishing and um you know I I really wrote that book for two reasons. One is uh I felt like there's a lot of people out there that either are investing in passive real estate syndications and and just don't really know what to look for and there are people that want to invest in passive real estate syndications and don't even know where to find them. And so I felt like there was just a need for someone to kind of uh you know give people a peek behind the curtain so that they could see uh what this business is all about and as a passive investor how do you find these offerings to begin with and and then you know once you do find them how do you properly do your due diligence to determine whether or not the sponsor that you're considering investing with or the deal you're considering investing in is worthy of risking your hard-earned capital and there was really no place for people to turn to learn that information and i decided it was time to change that cool yeah and there are so many books from active side but very few books uh, passive side yeah that's great and you have vast experience like over 30 years or 3 decades in real estate so on what skills and tools or what are the key factors helped you to be successful 
I think one of them is tenacity and just keeping after it. You know, it's like this business is difficult and things happen that set you back. And, you know, when that happens, you have two options. One option is to let it break you and just stop. The other option is to press forward and persevere and keep going. And sometimes you find yourself in these situations where, you know, the rubber band in the slingshot, so to speak, gets pulled back so far that you think it's about to break. But that could also be, if you just let go of it, it propels you really, really far. And I think that's the key thing to success is to be able to recognize that that happens and stick with it when things aren't maybe going according to plan. Because if you give up too soon, you might give up just a moment before you were about to have a breakthrough. And uh, there's plenty of times where I probably should have given up. And then there were uh, numerous times where I could have given up and I didn't. And I think that's the only reason I'm here. Awesome, awesome. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And you have developed proprietary software. Would you share more about that? And what is the reason behind developing it? Well, when I first started in this business, it was like a long time ago. <laughs> and, you know, there was no real electronic tools for doing what it was that I was doing. I, I would go to foreclosure auctions and I was buying houses on the courthouse steps at foreclosure auctions. And all my competitors are showing up there with like a briefcase full of file folders with paper shuffling around and, and that sort of stuff. And that was the only way they had to track what was going on. And I just knew there had to be a better way. So I developed my own software that could track the foreclosure sales that I was involved with and help me uh, research their title and set bidding limits and uh, and estimate repairs and all sort of stuff uh, related to uh, the business that I was heavily involved in. And that just evolved over time and uh, became an indispensable tool and a competitive advantage. And then when I grew the business in the multifamily side, I dove back into that experience of seeing how self-created software tools can be so beneficial that I uh, decided to create additional tools for our multifamily business. And I've done that. And I think that's given us an incredible advantage in helping us analyze the performance of an asset and estimate its future income stream. And, and that that's really, really important is to have that competitive advantage. Cool. Thank you. So is that software available for public or... No, I've, I've been asked that numerous times. I even had somebody offer to write me a $50,000 check for it. And um, no, it's, uh, it, I'll never give it up. It's one of those things that, you know, when you find a way to have a competitive advantage and you find a way that you can create a tool that works specifically for you, the way you work, sometimes that competitive advantage is better kept uh, as a proprietary system. So ours is a completely proprietary in-house software. And, you know, that was part of the reason. There's also another part of the reason is that I don't want to be in the software business. Business, and I don't want to be in the tech support business. And if you start handing this stuff off to someone else, invariably, there's going to be questions, problems, requests for changes, and, and that sort of stuff that is going to take focus away from what it is that we really do here, which is invest in real estate. Awesome. Good, good. And so you might have seen multiple down cycles. And so what kind of strategies you had implemented during down cycles? Not only have I seen them, I've lived through them and survived them. And that's that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I mean, the, the main thing you got to think about on down cycles is to try to get ahead of it. And is the challenge is you can't always do that. You know, the economy can you know turn on a dime. 
and you know, things can be great today and horrible tomorrow. I mean, look back a year from now uh, or a year ago when, you know, the coronavirus pandemic became this big thing, right? I mean, one day the economy was awesome and the next day everybody was worried whether or not anybody was going to pay rent ever again. And so, you know, it's those kinds of things are unpredictable, but there's defense mechanisms that you can put into place where at least you can survive those kinds of events. So, you know, being very careful not to be over leveraged, not to be undercapitalized, have plenty of reserves on hand, not underwrite too aggressively. You know, those are the key important things that if you can abide by those principles, uh, you should be able to survive a market cycle. And, and, you know, you'll never be able to fully predict them, but at least if you can survive them, that's what's most important. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, and what markets you are targeting, uh, Brian, and what is the reason behind it? Uh, we're targeting markets like Arizona, Texas, Georgia, Florida, the Carolinas, Tennessee. The reasoning behind it is we're investing in markets where people are moving to, and we're avoiding markets where people are moving from. So that's exactly why we aren't investing in California and New York. People in California and New York are leaving and they're moving to places like Arizona, Texas, Georgia, and Florida and the Carolinas. And um, and we're trying to you know, stay ahead of those population waves and movement. And you know, back to your question a minute ago about uh, economic cycles and market cycles, in addition to obviously, you know, leverage and, and, and reserves and the stuff I mentioned, the other thing that's a good defense mechanism is to invest in markets, you know, that have that positive economic push, income growth, job growth, and population growth. And if you can invest in markets like that, those markets tend to stay that way. And even in an uh, economic down cycle, they'll perform better than their, uh, their counterparts that are losing population. Cool. Yeah. So true also. And so, and what kind of business plan you're implementing for your deals? Our plan is to acquire, uh, renovate or, or upgrade depending upon what each property needs, uh, which then allows us to enhance revenue either through, uh, you know, renting out units at higher rates as the uh, existing people cycle out, new people cycle in, or implementing additional revenue streams like uh, different uh, miscellaneous income type items, uh, and then uh, holding the property for a period of time and then selling it. And, you know, our, our general plan is usually a three to five year hold. You know, we actually underwrite everything as if we're going to hold it for 10 years, but we've never held anything that long. I think our largest, our, our longest is about six years, but our average is about four. Okay. Yeah. And so how do you see COVID situation on multifamily and real estate, Brian? The COVID situation? Yes. Yeah, it's been had an impact on real estate for sure, uh, to varying degrees. And it's in some respects, it's a very, very interesting thing that will probably be studied for a long time, but it's accelerated a lot of previous trends. It's created new trends, and then it's also created some headwinds. And so let's kind of break all this down. You know, the the work from home phenomenon that's begun to catch on has enabled people to uh, wake up and realize that I could be anywhere and still do my job. And so that's kind of changed the dynamic of real estate in a lot of ways. So, you know, 10 years ago, or even maybe even 
one year ago, if you wanted to move from San Francisco to Phoenix, uh, the first thing you'd do is you'd go down to Phoenix and look for a job and then you'd get a job and they'd probably get a job that pays less than you got paid in San Francisco and you'd leave high cost San Francisco and you'd move to low cost Phoenix and then you'd start at your new job and you'd kind of rebuild your life. Well, now what you can do is uh, you can you know leave San Francisco, move to Phoenix where the rent's a third of what it is in San Francisco and still keep your job at Facebook. And, you know, that's something that people couldn't do before. Your incomes have become transportable. And by having done that, it's taken these low cost markets and created a flood of interest in people moving from high cost markets to low cost markets and, and bringing their higher cost market income with them. So that's put quite a bit of pressure on, um, the supply and demand equation on housing stock in uh, you know the Sunbelt parts of the U.S. and it's uh, created an incredible drag on real estate values in those markets, those high cost markets where people are fleeing. So that's a, a real interesting byproduct of COVID. Now the other issue, of course, is you know the uh, job losses and unemployment in the service sector economy, and in that respect, you know your Class uh, C and and D properties have suffered a higher percentage than they should have on rent defaults. And uh, you know, that certainly had an impact on their performance. Uh, that though uh, will pass eventually as soon as uh, you know, the economy gets fired back up and eviction moratoriums discontinue, uh, then we'll start to see those properties begin to perform again. But they've definitely been disproportionately affected. Yep. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And would you share any of your best multifamily experience so far? My best experience? Well, I'll give you a recent example is we have uh, two properties that we bought for around $40 million uh, less than two years ago or about two years ago that we're selling for over $60 million now. So that's been a really, really good experience. I think that might be my second greatest real estate trade ever. I think our first greatest real estate trade ever was in 2011 at the very bottom of the market. We bought about 120 rental homes in the San Francisco Bay Area, sold them about five or six years later for about $45 million. That was maybe the greatest real estate trade we've ever made. But um, yeah, turning 15 into 45 was a good day. So uh, we've got a few nice, uh, interesting stories to share. Cool. Cool. Yep. Thank you. And would you also share any of your worst or challenging experience in multifamily so far? Yeah. My most challenging experience was my, one of my, my very early multifamily syndications from several years ago, many, many years ago. Now it was uh, right at the great financial collapse of 2008. And I bought this property like probably six months too early. I thought it was the right time because I could get it for half of what the guy before me paid and he was in foreclosure. I, I acquired the property, turned it around, got it to 99% occupancy, had rents uh, going up. And then all of a sudden, you know, the great financial collapse of 09 hit. And uh, that was when, you know, Bear Stearns collapsed and Lehman Brothers collapsed. And you had this whole mess in the economy and jobs started getting furloughed and all those job losses and everything turned my 99% occupancy into about 65% occupancy and then all sorts of rent defaults. I used to joke that half the uh, half the tenants or half the units were empty and the other half weren't paying. <laughs> and, and that was probably uh my worst real estate investing experience. Thank God we actually managed to survive that and come out the other side pretty much okay. Uh, but boy, it was uh, a lot of stress when that was going on. Right. Which market is that, Brian? 
that was in Dallas, which was uh, you know one of the strongest markets in the country at the time. And if they got hit that hard, you can imagine how much pain there was in some of the not so good markets, right? Yeah. And so what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? Something I'm excited about now. Well, uh, I think uh, you know right now the the thing that's got the most of my focus is just growing our multifamily portfolio. I'm excited to be selling about five of our properties and that's uh, you know probably about a thousand units if you add it all up. So we're really uh, happy to see some of these projects uh, going full cycle and producing a successful outcome for our investors. And I'm excited to you know make new acquisitions. We're finding some really good high quality properties and um, we're making some really good smart uh, acquisitions and some really strong markets. And that's just great to see. Cool and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, and any one advice that impacted you, Brian? Boy, you know, the funny thing is, I didn't get a lot of advice. I didn't know anybody when I started in this business, and I still don't know a ton of people. I don't think, but uh, I don't get advice very often. I think, you know, I think the best advice I've I've ever gotten was, uh, you know, to never give up and to uh, always stand your ground. And I've I've held that really close all these years, and it's worked out pretty well for me. Cool. And so any one book that impacted your life and what way? Rich Dad, Poor Dad was probably the one book that really had the most impact on me and like teaching me the why, you know, why should I do this? And why is this important to me? And uh, really motivating me to seek out a better life than, you know, what I would have just uh, you know, working the W-2 job for a career and then taking a retirement. I don't know that I, my brain would have shifted the way it did without some of the great advice in that book. Cool. Yeah. That is a great book. So how are you giving back to community? Well, the biggest way that we've, uh, so far has been through our charity that, uh, I, helped co-found with uh, my friend Jay Heinrichs. Uh, it's called A Hero's Home. Uh, you can find it at aheroeshome.org. Uh, and um, through this charity, we uh, we raise money. And uh, they, our, our goal is to be able to give away a house to a well-deserving U.S. veteran or first responder, mortgage and debt-free, uh, all fixed up. And, and we're, uh, we're zeroing in on that goal. We've actually raised, I think, over $100,000 dollars now. And uh, we're getting close to that point where we look forward to being able to hand over some keys. Cool. Cool. And how can listeners can connect with you? Uh, you can connect through my website uh, for our company, Praxis Capital. The website is praxcap.com. It's P-R-A-X-C-A-P.com. You can find me on Instagram at Investor Brian Burke. You can find me on the biggerpockets.com real estate forums answering questions, or you could check out the book, The Hands-Off Investor, which is available on Amazon or from the publisher at biggerpockets.com forward slash syndication book. Awesome. And thank you, Brian. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for sharing your experience. You got it, Rama. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the invite. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.